Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is great, so great to be with you all here this afternoon. And uh, first, I just want to uh, really thank Andy and Tammy. Uh, you know, you may wonder, we were, we've been here s- since Wednesday, and uh, we'll be here till Thursday. And uh, obviously, we have uh, churches right there in London. Uh, but to be quite honest, uh, we would not pass up the opportunity to just spend time with Andy and Tammy. Uh, the truth is, you know, Gloria and I have talked about this. If we could choose a couple on the planet that we would want to be trained by, it's them. Uh, we admire them. We love them. Uh, their example uh, it's just, it's had a profound impact on our lives. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, uh, Andy and I met uh, several years ago. But uh, it's amazing, we've had these little pivotal conversations. They were pivotal for me. Uh, he was just having a regular conversation, but he was imparting something upon me that changed the course of, of where... I was going as a disciple and even how I was leading uh, the people that God put uh, before me. And uh, I, I just want to say on behalf of Gloria and I, we're so grateful for both of you, uh, what you, uh, how you sincerely love God and sincerely love His people. We're so grateful for you. And, you know, when we, we had this opportunity, so listen, we'll just get on the train. Cause even if it means we get a couple of hours with Andy and Tammy, we would love it and to be here with the church. So thank you. Thank you very much. Amen. You know, uh, let me pre-warn you. Uh, I'm, uh, I could be a little emotional, okay? So if you see a tear shed, don't panic. That's very normal for me, okay? Especially if you go back home to New Jersey, everyone knows me as uh, I've been called the weeping prophet, Jeremiah, at times. Uh, but uh, don't, don't panic, uh, please. Uh, that is quite normal for me. Uh, a little bit uh, about uh, my wife and I. Uh, my name is Johnny Rivera, my wife Glory. We uh, help to lead the church in central New Jersey. And just a little geography, if you ever look at the state of New Jersey, we're right in the middle, about an hour south of New York, about an hour north of uh, Philadelphia. So we're kind of right in the middle. Uh, and uh, we uh, became Christians in the New York City church uh, in 1997. Uh, my wife kind of has always been looking for God. Uh, we were already married, had a two-year-old and a one-year-old. I'll get back to that in a second. Um, my wife was kind of always looking for God, and, and so she found this church and, and, and started to study the Bible. And uh, I was an atheist. Uh, I was pretty uh, against the whole idea of joining these Jesus freaks and uh, these weird people that give hugs and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and so um, I gave my wife a very hard time. I, I, I share this story. It scares me sometimes to share, but I share it with you more to help you to understand just how far out there I was. Uh, you know, I would give my wife a hard time, and, uh, and oftentimes I would cause her to have to go pray. And uh, I remember one very specific time, she went off to the room to pray, and as she was kneeling down and praying to God, 
I came in the room behind her and said, who are you praying to? There can't be anyone listening. And, uh, you know, I think back to that time, it it scares me. I I didn't get struck by a bolt of lightning in the moment. Uh, But it's scary to look back at that's who I was. And uh, at the same time, it's incredibly humbling to consider that God would choose me, the worst of sinners, one who has been a blasphemer, as Paul mentions to Timothy, and yet I get to serve God in this great way and to preach the word. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. You know, uh, she was such a great example. Uh, It took a few months for me to kind of come around once I, you know, I decided, I said, you know, let me let the minister know I want to study the Bible. I studied the Bible in four days and became a Christian because I walked in in the very first study and said, I'm going to hell. I just need you to teach me how to be a disciple. We didn't have to, you don't have to convince me. We don't have to do light and darkness. Where am I? I'm in the darkness. I'm going to hell in a handbasket. Please help me to get to the light. And that was pretty much it. And, but I'm so grateful for the example of my wife. And that's a little bit about our story. We do have two, uh, children who are in, uh, you guys say university. And so, uh, my, our daughter is in the second year. Our son is in his first year. Uh, they're both, uh, thankfully, disciples. Uh, they've been disciples four and three years uh, now. And, uh, you know, we've, we're privileged to be able to see them become disciples and grow in their walk um, with him. And it's been a, a great uh, privilege. And, you know, a little bit about our church. Our church is about three, a little over 300 members. It's the biggest we've ever been. And uh, one interesting little fact, uh, because we live near New York City, you can imagine all the different cultures and ethnicities. In our little church of 300, we have members from over 43 different countries uh, represented in our membership. So every year, we have an International Sunday, and we celebrate that. And uh, we're really excited uh, about our church in central New Jersey, and uh, it's, in case you're wondering, uh, it's right smack in the middle of the state, Uh, Rutgers University is the state university, Uh, that's right in our area, and Princeton University, which many people know, it's right in our area as well. And um, and so that's a little bit about who we are and where we're from, and uh, you know, an interesting tidbit, you know, it's funny how God works, uh, because this morning... Uh, this afternoon, actually, uh, the passage that I'm starting off with is a passage uh, that you guys are using for your women's retreat. Isn't in John 10:10, and I promise you this was not planned. Uh, but the Bible says, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." This afternoon, I want to talk about having a life to the full. You know, when you first are starting to know about God, perhaps you're not really totally interested. You know, you think about the idea of following God as, well, what am I going to be missing out on? There's so many things that I want to do out in the world, and will I have to give all of that up? You know, and that was one of the thoughts that would go through in my mind. When it came to really following Jesus, well, what am I going to have to give up? 
Forget the fact what he gave up. It was more about what I would have to give up. You know, another thing I would think is, well, you know, that's got to be a boring way of life. You know, these are the, the thoughts that would go through my head. And it, it's so interesting because I've never had more fun after being a disciple. You know, when we could go to a, a party and, and have a blast and, and laugh and, and really enjoy the company and, and not have any alcoholic aids at that time. We're just having fun and just really enjoying one another's company. It's so great to be able to do that. Um, you know, and it's, it's something that uh, you learn to appreciate over time. You realize, wow, I've gained so much from becoming a disciple and really seeking to live out this life to the full. But then there's, you know, um, a good brother in Central Jersey, you know, he mentioned this term and it stuck with me. We have this other place we go called an airplane mode. And if you know what an airplane mode is, when you go on an airplane, you got to put the, your phone, your device on airplane mode. And so that the phone may still be on, but it's not fully functional. You can't use the internet, you can't, you know, do certain things. But you can use some of the apps on it. And so, you know, in airplane mode, you, it's technically on, but it's not fully functional. And I'm afraid that as Christians, many times, we're not living life to the full, because we're living on airplane mode. We're technically here, but we're not fully functional. We're not fully engaged. We're not really wrapped up in the things of God. And so we're here, but not really here. And see, that's not living life to the full. In fact, what happens is, I believe, as we grow older as Christians, it becomes easier to just slip into airplane mode. Because we know what to say. We know how to answer certain questions in fellowship. We know how to give off, I'm doing well. When in fact, maybe we're not. We're just going through the motions. And so before you realize it, we're kind of operating in a spiritual airplane mode. This is certainly not living life to the full. Living life to the full is so much greater than just going through the motions. And you know, this, this afternoon, I'm going to just mention three things for myself that help me to truly live out this life that God has called me to. To truly live this life to the full so that I don't get complacent or comfortable, so that I don't just be present but not really be engaged. And the first thing that I want to talk about Something that I remind myself, and I have to go back to the scriptures and look at it and remind myself is that we were created in His image. And I'm going to be reading in Genesis chapter 1 in the very beginning. And I, I, I want to read this because I believe we could easily kind of read through this and miss out the significance of the fact that we are created in the image of God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 we'll be reading. It says, then God said, let us make, excuse me, let us make mankind in our image. 
in our likeness. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. You know, it's amazing how many times we can look at others and their talents and say, I don't have that talent. Or maybe if we're introverted, we can look at an extrovert. Oh, look at them, they're extra. I wish I was like that. Or we can say, I don't really know what I'm good at and how can I be of service or what can I do? And we tend to focus on these things that we perhaps don't have or, or things that we don't think we're good at. And, and in some cases, we're even good at them. We just kind of look at ourselves negatively. And we end up walking around not realizing a profound point that every single one of us is created in the image of God. We are made in His likeness. See, this is not the kind of thought that you just keep going through without taking a moment to reflect that you are like, in some way, the creator of the universe. That He made you like Him in some way. When you take a moment to really take that in, Whatever insecurity, whatever feelings you may have of of not being adequate, they quickly dissipate when you consider that you are made in the likeness of God. You know, I was reading this book called Redemption, and Mike Wilkerson states it like this. He says, God has made every human being in such a way that simply being human could make his presence known. For this reason, you have a great dignity as a human being. Not primarily because of your own goodness, but because you are made of the kind of stuff that is capable of making God's much greater goodness visible to others. This is the bedrock upon which the enduring dignity of every person is established. No matter how sinful, abused, impaired, or oppressed, male and female, from the womb, every race, we are all created in His image and likeness. See, we often view ourselves in light of What's happened to us? Maybe we've had difficult time growing up. Maybe we've had some difficult things happen to us. And we often start to see ourselves through that lens. And yet, God has given us a great reminder that your dignity is never taken away. That likeness is never taken away. Simply being born, you've been created like God. You are like Him. And you know, when you start to think about that, it really helps you to see that we're all here for a reason. We all have a reason to be here. God gave us this for a reason. He gave us this life and He created us to be like Him. 
And so when we think about what is living life to the full, we've got to think about, well, who created life to begin with? And he made us like him in some way. But, you know, we live in a world that that gets so cloudy. Why don't we always feel that way? Well, because we have an enemy who's actively trying to get us to feel and think that we're nothing like God. In fact, later on, you, you could read in, in uh, Genesis 3, I'll read verses 1 through 5, and, and the serpent, he goes to talk to Eve. And he says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Listen to this. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know what's amazing about this? He's trying to convince Eve that she will get to be like God, even though God already created her to be like him. And that's the world that we live in. If you have this relationship, then you're living life to the full. If you have this job, then you're living life to the full. The enemy is always presenting something. If you have this, this is a real deal. And God said, no, I created you like me. You already are the deal. It's amazing when you could really start to reflect On just that. On how that can impact how you really live your life. When you understand that you're made like God and you fight against an enemy who's trying to convince you, hey, if you've got this, then you'll be like God. Selling ice to an Eskimo. Selling something to us that we were already given at birth. That's the God that we serve and that's the enemy that we fight that we see ourselves as God sees us you know the second thing and it kind of goes along with this first point is that your worth is established by God you know in real estate uh, sometimes, you know, when you're, you're, if you own a home and you're going to sell a home, they do what they call appraisals. And, you know, basically what they do is they look at different homes in the area and kind of tell you, well, this is approximately what your home would sell for. But the truth is, uh, most real estate agents uh, will tell you that your home will, is worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Because it can be appraised at this amount, but if someone's willing to pay that amount, it's worth that amount. It's interesting, uh, last year, I'm a big uh, basketball fan, and in the States we have the NBA, and there's a franchise called the Los Angeles Clippers. And last year, at the beginning of the year, uh, Forbes magazine put the, the, the values of what they believe each franchise was worth. And uh, Forbes listed the Los Angeles Clippers to be worth over $500 million. It's quite a bit of money. 
$500 million. Well, Forbes said that's what the Clippers were worth. But later on in the year, the Clippers were sold for $2 billion. Four times the stated worth by Forbes. What is it worth? It's worth what someone was willing to pay for it. 1 Corinthians 6 says that we were bought at a price. The life of Jesus. Your worth is not established by your level of education. Your worth is not established or determined by your career. Your worth is not established by your boss or your teacher that gives you grades. Your worth is not determined by your bank accounts, your earthly possessions, or your worldly accomplishments. Even deeper, your worth is not established solely by how you feel about yourself. Because many struggle with the idea of self-worth. It's not determined by what others have and you don't. Your worth is the life of Jesus, the Son of God. Your worth, Jesus dying for. See, it doesn't matter what accomplishment. See, what happens many times, why we don't live out this life, this full life, life to the full that God wants us to live, is because we seek worth in things other than what God has already done for us. And so we seek, we want to do more in the world, and we want to give to that, and we want to do that, and we want to go do these things, and have this relationship, and have that. And, and all those things are not bad in and of themselves, but when they become what we gain our worth from, it's incredibly dangerous, and completely against what God wants for each one of us. He's already shown us our worth by giving his son to die for each one of us. You know, another the great thing is, is that our worth doesn't go up and down like the stock market. You know, since I've been here, I've been monitoring the dollar and the British pound to see how much I'm getting for my dollar since I've been here. Some days it's up and some days it's down. You know, the great thing is that your worth to God does not go up and down according to whether you're having a great spiritual day or not. Amen. And thank Jesus for that. Because we're His. We don't all of a sudden not become His when we stumble. You know, things are often determined by ownership. Sometimes common things go for astronomical prices because of who owned it. For instance, I read somewhere where Napoleon's toothbrush, okay, used toothbrush, once sold at an auction for $21,000. A used toothbrush. How much do you think you can get for yours? (laughs) 
Jackie Onassis uh, Kennedy, uh, with, uh, First Lady, uh, JFK's wife, sold, uh, 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 her fake pearls were once sold. Fake! <laughs> fake pearls. $211,000! Fake pearls! Her husband, the president's golf clubs, wooden golf clubs, $772,500. It was sold for that. Now you think about it, these are just common items. The reason they were so valuable was because who they belonged to. Our worth does not come from what we do. Our worth is because of who we belong to. Our worth comes from God. And that doesn't change. We are who we are. We are worthy because we are God's. I don't know about you, but for me, knowing that, it inspires me. You know, for me, it's very easy to look at shortcomings. For me, it's very easy to see. I'm always thinking, okay, I'm not good at this. I wish I was better at that. It's very easy. And and when I can look at this, I can say, wow, I'm worthy. I matter no matter what. This is such a great motivation to live life to the full. When you really embrace this, you understand that this is life to the full when you can understand who you are before God. And when you really understand that, it brings you to a response. It brings you to do something. This doesn't, you know, we shouldn't take this information and you don't get this information and then decide, well, I guess I'm just going to sit back and relax. For me, I'll say, this makes me want to run through walls for God. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, you can start turning there. We see something very profound that I think is the appropriate response to really understanding that you were created in His image and that your worth is established by Him. And it simply is that your work has already been prepared for you. And in Ephesians chapter 2, and I want you to really focus in here, verses 8 through 10, the Bible says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we all got that, right? But now let's read this next verse. For we are God's handiwork, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what's the response to understanding who you are before God? Is to seek the work, the good, that God has already prepared in advance for each one of us to do. You know, what's something I've been doing every chance that I can remember I simply say, God, help me to find today the good that you prepared in advance for me to do today. See, this information that we get should not make us 
complacent or comfortable. In fact, I believe you don't really understand the information if that's your response. If you understand the information, what this should do is should spur you on to do the good that God has already prepared in advance for you to do. That you would seek it out. You know, Jesus did not die to simply just make us comfortable. He died to make us dangerous. And the way we're dangerous is when we go out and do the good that God prepared in advance for us to do, we become like a tidal wave. It's kind of like when you read in Acts 5, when Gamaliel said, listen, if this is from God, you're not going to be able to stop these people. There's nothing you can do. When we seek to do the good that God has prepared in advance. See, every single person sitting in this room, you might think, well, what am I good at? What is God? God has prepared something for you. Good for you. He's prepared it in advance. Good for you to do. Think about how different your day would be if you started your day with, God, help me to find the good that you prepared for me to do. Changes your perspective on the day. Instead of focusing on what you don't have and what doesn't go right, you're focused on the good that God seeks to do through you. That's the response. You know, oftentimes it gets difficult to do good and not see response though. And sometimes we, we, you know, we want to do good and see the immediate payoff. The immediate, oh, look at what happened when I did this good. But it's not always like that. That's why the Bible says, for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest in Galatians 6, right? But don't give up doing good. You know, I think about the times that my wife could have thrown in the towel on me. I think about the, the times that she could have just said, listen, this guy is out there. This guy is a demon. I don't know what to do with him. Uh, I, I, she, she, could have, she could have very easily given up on me. But you know, she sought to do the good. You know, the thing, people ask me, well, what was the first thing that got you? The first thing that got you was, got me was, that my wife uh, was a bit of a feminist, okay? And so when she started being submissive, it kind of freaked me out. I said, whoa, what is going on here? She's being submissive. This is not normal. It was the first thing that caught my attention. People think, oh, was it a sermon? No, it was simply the good that my wife started to live out at home. That's what planted the seed. And I'm so grateful that her and the people that God put around me didn't give up on me. You know, the day I got baptized, I came out of the water and I said, God, I want to be an evangelist one day. I want to I tell people about you. I, I want to teach people what, what it is to really have a relationship with you. I, I know that I messed people up when I was an atheist. I would try to convince them against God. And, and you know, I, I felt like I wanted, to, I wanted to do something great for God. I look at my kids. 
I don't deserve that. I really, I don't deserve my kids doing great and doing well. I don't deserve any of it. It's just a harvest that's being reaped. And I think there's so much good that we all have in us. There's so much good that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And it will cause an impact. It will cause a ripple effect that's beyond what we can see in the moment. You know what? Maybe a couple of generations down the road, I could have family that's looking back at, oh, my great-great-granddad, Johnny Rivera, was the one that became a disciple. And since then, we've become disciples after that. That's crazy. I was so far from that. But we all have good in us. God has prepared it for us to do. My prayer is that as we really take a good look at who we are before God, that it spurs us on to live out this good and that we do it without ever giving up and trusting that at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Thank you so much. God bless.